There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. All you non-believers disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another edition of NFL Friday here on this August 20th of 2021. As the dog days of summer roll on and the baseball season for some of us, us Mets fans especially, comes to an end. Uh, it appears it is time for some NFL football. I know I'm excited. Uh, so much to break down today in regards to the Jets, the Giants, and the league as a whole. And here to talk all things NFL me is Mike Messina. Mike, how's it going? Good, Mike. It, it's been a while. I know we were just talking. Um, this yeah. might be our first piece of content together. So, so I'm excited to get going with you, talk some NFL football, get into Giants, Jets, the the game that, you know, not many people played in or probably didn't really have that many viewers in the first place, but I'm here to break it all down with you. So I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, we were, like you said, we were talking, I mean, we'd have, we've done production stuff together, but I mean, it's first time on air, Mike and Mike, not the ESPN version, the <laughs> FUV version. So I'm very excited to be here with you, Mike, a lot to break down as I, you know, as I mentioned, um, we're, we're going to be recapping that Giants check game. Uh, like you talked about uh, definitely a lot to get into there. I mean, you know, the Giants rested a lot of their starters. So you know, not much to stay on their end, I guess. Some highlights, but we'll talk in the Jets, especially with that. Then we'll be doing a preview for both teams, and we'll also be talking some fantasy football. I know for me, the reason I wasn't really watching that Jets-Giants game is because I actually had my fantasy football draft. Uh, so we were too focused on that. I know we do a little early compared to other leagues, but we uh, we were getting that in. So, But before we get into the fantasy, before we get into the preview, let's start off with that recap of Jets-Giants. The Jets beating the Giants 12-7 to uh, last Saturday at MetLife. It was a home game for the Giants. Uh, Zach Wilson's NFL debut, obviously it's only the preseason, but, you know, still a pretty big deal. So, you know, Mike, there's a, there's a few things to break down, even for the Giants, like I said, despite the, the starters resting, most of them. Uh, but I would say, you know, for you, what stood out the most uh, of that preseason game? I'm obvious. I'm, I'm going to go with the obvious here. Zach Wilson making his, making his debut here. Didn't, I believe he only played two drives, went six for nine for 63 yards. But yeah. some of the throws he, some of the throws he made were, were pretty impressive to say the least. He, he, he played very well on third down as well. I know, I think it was third and 14, got a 13 yard completion. And then they ultimately went for the fourth and one and, and got stuffed and turned the ball over. But Zach Wilson, I, I think made a pretty decent impression for his first time on the field, got his feet wet a little bit, um, obviously facing giant second and third string defense. And I'm sure they had their second and third string defense out as well. Um, but I'm, I'm very impressed with him. I, I think he played well. Mike Smith also, uh, Mike White, sorry, came in 13 for 19, 127 yards. He, he played the majority of the game afterwards, got sacked once. But all in all, I, I think the big story for that game is Zach Wilson and how he performed. Yeah, I mean, I, there's you mentioned a lot there. I definitely want to get into a lot of that quarterback stuff. I mean, Mike White, maybe not a huge name for the, the casual NFL fan, but maybe the Jets, you know, as there's a competition for backup quarterback. I have my thoughts on that uh, points aside. But in terms of Zach, I would say the biggest thing, and you mentioned the numbers, you know, six of nine, uh, 63 yards. I mean, that's not going to that's not gonna jump out at you right away. Um, but it, it's all about the eye test. If you were watching that game, and I wasn't watching it live, like I said, I had my fantasy football draft, but I recorded it and I watched it later. Um, you know, the main thing was comfortable. He looked comfortable. He looked like he was – he wasn't being like, you know, frazzled. He wasn't, you know, seemed flustered. He was delivering his passes crisply. They were on target right where they needed to be. He was decisive. I mean, you could say that maybe he's a little too decisive. Look like on a few throws there. He was kind of staring down his receivers. But look, after as a diehard Jeff and myself, after what we just experienced with Sam Darnold, you know, there was a guy right there who look, I was a Sam Darnold fan. I wanted him to succeed in New York. But the, there was a lot of issues with Sam. But one of the biggest ones that I always noticed was he just always looked uncomfortable. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. The Jets just never really got a great line around him. You know, he just – there wasn't a great number one receiver for him. I think that a lot of that 
contributed to the not comfortable factor, I, I guess you can call it. Uh, so to see Wilson now, who's the new quarterback, I think the Jets are trying to learn their lessons from the failures of Darnold. And, you know, also the other thing about Darnold was he threw kind of an uglier ball. His, I mean, he wasn't as pure, Chris. Like you watch Wilson throw. I mean, you know, the comparisons coming out of college, and, you know, we can only hope he plays like these guys, but it was like with Rodgers and Mahomes, that kind of free-throwing quarterback so smooth you know it was just great to see um and then i would say like in terms of specifics with zach you know and you kind of mentioned this too is um he had a nine yard completion on third and six on that then the first drive you know he got a field goal he was got a couple passes to Corey davis you know it's a scoring drive and actually you know of all the rookie quarterbacks because that saturday was stacked with rookie quarterbacks making their debut you know, Trey Lance made his debut, Justin Fields. He had the high – Trevor Lawrence. He had the highest, uh, you know, rating of, from pro football po- focus, 80.3. So, you know, take that what you will. It's one preseason game. You play two series. We're not going to get crazy about that. But, um, hey, look, I, I got to say I was impressed so far. Yeah, you mentioned how comfortable he looked. And it's it, not only that, his footwork within the pocket was very well – was very good as well for the two drives he was in. Um, he just looked like the long there um, – I don't know what Robert Sala has been talk- telling him and they've been talking about in huddles and whatnot, but he looks ready to go. And I uh, like, the, it was very short, very short preview, obviously two drives. I think it was like 10 plays or something like that, but he looked good. And, and Jets fans have something to look forward to with Zach Wilson going forward. I mean, they obviously still have a lot of work to do. I think Denzel Mims was the lead receiver in that game, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, three, three receptions, 51 yards, not great, but he, he's going to be a, a huge factor moving forward for this team. And I think, if he can be the player that everyone thinks he's going to be, has the arm that, that he's getting compared to Aaron Rodgers, like and Patrick Mahomes, then I think Jets fans have a lot to look forward to. And I think there is a bright spot within the organization, but this is just not enough time to tell. And yeah. with injuries and whatnot, COVID still, who knows what, what's going to be in line for the Jets going forward. Yeah. I mean, look, the real test and you said it, 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 you know, it's going to be the regular season, you know, the biggest thing with rookie seasons and, you know, it's hard not to overreact. I mean, the problem is that you have fans who, I mean, look at Justin Herbert, amazing rookie year. Everyone was like, Oh, he's the guy, you know, this is it. The Chargers found their guy, you know, that's great. But you know, you really got to take a rookie season with a grain of salt. And, you know, you think about, for example, Peyton Manning, who just went into the hall of fame a couple of weeks ago, you know, one of the all time greats, a quarterback, you know, it just, just nothing, nothing you can say about him that hasn't been said already. He had one of the worst rookie seasons in NFL history. So, you know, that just shows you, and there, there are guys that can have great rookie seasons. I mean, Daniel Jones, we're going to talk more about him, had a great rookie year, in my opinion. And then last year really kind of fell down a bit there. I know obviously he struggled with fumbles his rookie year, but you could tell there was a drop still uh, with other stuff as well. So, I mean, Rookie years, I think even if Wilson has a great year or a terrible rookie year, you know, you're not going to be able to really tell one way or the other, is this your guy? Obviously, you would like for it to be a good year because that makes you a little more comfortable. But even Sam Darnold, who, of course, is no longer with the team, you know, up and down rookie year. But those last four games of the 2018 season when he went toe-to-toe with Deshaun Watson, with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not mistaken, he had like the highest pass rating of any quarterback in the NFL for that last four-week stretch. So as a Jet fan, you know, the, the 2018 season ended, Darnold's rookie year was over, and I was like, wow, you know, I think we found our guy. And, of course, obviously we didn't. So, you know, it's very tough to judge rookie years, especially, you know, it's it, it's tough to judge rookie years, let alone judge a preseason game where a guy played two series. But you, you like what you saw. Um, you know, we'll talk more about the other kind of aspects of the game from the Jets and the Giants as well. But um, – my biggest thing, and I think you would agree with this as well, is like as long as there's progress with with Wilson, you know, I'll be happy. Like, I, I, obviously, it's been you know ten years since the Jets made the playoffs. I would love to see them get back in the playoffs, but that's just not a reasonable expectation. You know, the best I can hope for is to see progress from Wilson, progress from the other young guys. You know, the Jets are coming off one of the lowest points in team history. I mean, aside from the Rich Kotite year in the '90s, I would say that this gay season last year, the two-win season, was one of the worst seasons in Jet history, top five. So. With Salah, you know, obviously Joe Douglas was already there, but he's part of this, you know, rebuild. As long as there's progress, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, and you mentioned rookie seasons a lot. And it stinks because Zach Wilson's kind of coming into the organization with with a disadvantage. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, so there's so much weight on his shoulders. There's so much talk going around about him and how good he could be and how good his arm could be and pretty much everything he can do as a quarterback. And if he has a bad rookie season, those conversations are never going to stop. They are just going to pile on and pile on and eventually become worse. And honestly could end up like a, like a Sam Donald and maybe having to go get a quarterback three, four more years down the road. So he, he's coming in with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And, and I feel like that's a disadvantage for not really just him, but for any quarterback coming to an organization and, and pretty much try and put it on your shoulders and be the guy to take them to the playoffs. But 
if he doesn't have a good rookie season, I think Jets fans are, are going to go absolutely crazy. And honestly, rightfully so. They, they deserve to do that. <laughs> and I know, I'm sure as, as Jets fans like yourself, you usually do go crazy after every, every losing yeah. season at every game. So, but, but if he has a bad rookie season, I think the walls are going to come down and fans, <laughs> fans are going to be mad and they're going to want more answers to, to what's going on and yeah. get better pieces around them. So we'll have to see uh, how we can handle that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to say it's very refreshing to hear from another, you know, fellow FUV, uh, you know, coworker that it's okay for fans to get angry. We've had debates on one-on-one about, you know, is it okay for like the Met fan to get angry and stuff? And it's a different situation, but refreshing to hear that from you. So I appreciate that. As a fan that gets very frustrated, you know, rooting for the Mets, the Jets, the Knicks, like, you know, I get fed up a lot. You know, that being the, said. Those are teams that get you going and just yeah. getting mad every day. Yeah, so. I think it was uh, our our former coworker, Jimmy Sullivan, who like, I think it was a retweet or a like on Twitter. It was like anyone who's a Mets, Jets, or Knicks fan should get, you know, free, like a free boost to their credit score for loyalty, which I totally agree with. But, you know, the point is, it, it's in my inclination, you know, just ask anyone who I've ever lived with at Fordham or who's ever been in the same building as me. You can hear me screaming on Sundays at, at, at Jet Games at the TV, you know, so it's going to be tough for me to not overreact if, if Wilson has a bad year. Um, but that being said, you know, and this is coming from me, Mr. Like really express his emotions and get angry all the time. But, you know, I think it's just important that we temper expectations. I still think he could have a very good rookie year. That being said, if he doesn't, we just have to, you know, step back and just kind of keep things in perspective. You know, if it's two bad years, then, hey, you want to start panicking, that's obviously okay. But, look, we haven't even gotten to the regular season opening it. But the one thing I will say that I've been impressed with Zach so far is, well, who knows privately how he's feeling, but publicly he's saying all the right things. You know, there was a lot of, um, you know, the, the media tends to kind of play up training camp and kind of put more weight to it. I mean, 30 years ago, was anyone ever reporting about training camp? No, it's just because of Twitter. Because, you know, Twitter, you want news immediately. There's got to be some, there's a demand for news. So, of course, the, the beat reporters for the Jets are putting out all that information on training camp and analyzing Wilson. And, you know, practice is practice. Like AI said, you know, we're, we're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. So, like, there was a lot of heat coming on Darnold already. He hadn't even played the preseason game yet about how, like, he wasn't looking great in practice, all this stuff. You know, and that's just so ridiculous to judge, in my opinion, because, you know, you, you, you don't know what they're running in practice. You don't know what Salah and the coaching staff is telling him. You know, receivers are learning new routes. He's learning new chemistry. You know, he could be taking risks. He's I think he already said it, that he's not going to take in a game. So I think judging training camp is ridiculous. But to, to your point about, you know, if let's say he has a bad year and can, the fans are going to get on him, can he handle that? You know, privately, I'm not sure because I, I don't know the man. But publicly, you know, there was already heat from this training camp and he was saying all the right things, you know. I understand this pressure, you know, I don't have the exact quote, but he, he was downplaying it. He, he seemed calm, posed. Whenever I've seen him interviewed, he seems to handle the media great. You know, obviously he hasn't had a losing season with the Jets. I mean, you saw how it wore down Darnold over time, but he's saying all the right things. I think he can be that guy that kind of, you know, stands up under the pressure and is able to succeed in light of the New York media or the scrutiny of the fans. But, you know, we'll get more to Wilson and, you know, some of the other stuff with the Jets and Giants later, but I just want to touch on a few more things for the game. I mean, obviously a lot of Giants starters rested. I mean, we kind of mentioned that, you know, already Daniel Jones didn't play, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Leonard Williams. You just go down the list. I mean, Blake Martinez, none of them were in this game. Uh, so you got to take, you know, the Jets success at times with a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, that being said, just to continue on the Jets theme, and then we'll talk about the Giants a little bit. There's not as much to say with them, but with the Jets, one thing I was impressed with outside of Zach Wilson was the run game. I thought they ran the ball very well. I mean, uh, you know, Ty Johnson, Michael P. Ryan, uh, Michael Carter, their, their pick out of North Carolina this year, all look great. Uh, Carter and Johnson combined for 55 yards on 16 carries. So, you know, as a Jet fan who's seen the team struggle in terms of the run game in the recent years with Le'Veon Bell and that whole mess, I mean, again, that's refreshing to see. Again, keep in mind, you know, Giants backups, all that. But I was encouraged by the Jets' run game, how the offensive line looked. Uh, you mentioned back quarterbacks. You know, the Jets are looking for one. I, for one, am a little surprised that they didn't bring in a true veteran. I mean, they brought in Josh Johnson at the last minute, but he's not really that type of guy. You know, it just seems like it's going to be Mike White or James Morgan. They both looked okay. White threw a touchdown. Um, you know, and also Denzel Mims. You mentioned him earlier. You know, he's actually been buried on the depth chart to start training camp. So there was been, I mean, so I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but someone, some Jet reporter was even insinuating that he might get cut. I mean, the guy was a second round pick last year. So, you know, he looked nice on a third and 18. He broke a bunch of tackles, gave the Jets a first down, really nice play. So I would say, you know, from the offensive side of the ball for the Jets, and I don't know if you have anything else to add, but, you know, I was very encouraged by the run game. I was very encouraged by the play of the offensive line. And, and I was very encouraged by Denzel Mims. 
Uh, you know, again, take it with a grain of salt, but those are some other things I take away from the Jets offensively in that preseason game. Yeah, you, you mentioned the run game. Um, Giants actually just released Alfred Morris. So, so looking at picture, maybe he could be someone that, that Jets take in as a backup running back. Uh, obviously not, not, not an ideal backup running back for any team. Um, but yeah, LaMichael P. Ryan, he, he played great 12 carries and 30 yards. He, he's going to be someone that's going to really bolster that, that Jets offense going forward. And honestly, the offensive line, in my opinion, played well too. Then we'll let up one sack. And I think the Giants got sacked five times. Um, so, so shout out to the offensive line. They're going to have to do that going forward. Um, if they want to keep Zach Wilson safe, I mean, he, he's going to, he, he's kind of a small guy. So this offensive line is going to need to be on their feet at all times in order to keep him safe and healthy. Cause if he goes down, which obviously no one ever wants to see, see a player get injured, no less a potentially a star quarterback, then the jets are going to be in trouble. If, and if anything like that happens, but that, that offensive line needs to step it up all season long and keep their quarterback healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I said it earlier, I think the Jets are kind of learning from their mistakes with Darnold, you know, and one of those mistakes was they didn't really got a great offensive line. They were constantly changing pieces in and out. He was constantly under pressure. You know, they got, it's basically, you know, Makai Becton, first round pick last year. He was a stud his rookie year. You draft Elijah Brett Tucker out of USC. You have Connor McGovern at the center already, who's, you know, fine. You have Greg Van Roten at right guard. We'll see how he does. And then at right tackle, you bring in Morgan Moses from the uh, for the Washington football team. He's a solid player. You already have George Fant. I'm surprised it's a true competition uh, between both of them. I mean, I thought maybe one would stay at right tackle and one would move to right guard. Uh, that being said, you know, uh, I, I think the offensive line is encouraging. You know, defensively for the Jets as well, some nice plays. They had a safe. They had a safety. They right at the know, last second the, of the game. Right too. the last second of the game. Uh, forced to fumble. Actually, it props on that safety to Jonathan Marshall, six-round pick out of Arkansas. He also had a sack in this game, or two sacks, one of them, which was with the safety, of course. Um, so he looked good. The Jets, two new uh, safeties, who they're converting to linebacker. Hamson Nasruddin and Jamie Sherwood look great. So, you know, Jets overall, like it's a 12-7 win in the first preseason game against a team that didn't really play a lot of starters. That being said, if you're a Jet fan, I think the real test is coming this week against Green Bay in the preseason. Again, also, it's, I'm saying real test is the preseason. Um, but, you know, I, I, overall, I'm encouraged both offensively and defensively from the Jets. And then we're moving over to the Giants. You know, we've, we've done a lot of Jet talk to talk, even though I could do the whole show about the Jets. But I know you're a Giants <laughs> fan. We got to get our Giants talking here. You know, not the starters didn't play. There was a couple. The starting offensive line did play, as a matter of fact. But. You know, some a lot of sort of set out, as you've said multiple times already. You know, what do you kind of take out of this game for the Giants offensively, defensively? What stood out to you? It was it was a boring game from the Giants standpoint, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, Jeff their offensive line started no Jones, no Saquon, no Blake Martinez, no, no anybody. Kenny Galladay didn't play. And you didn't really you couldn't really get a true prediction on how this team could perform together, obviously, since no one really played, but I thought they played well. I mean, the offensive line didn't really do that good, let up five sacks. And I think most of them went to, yeah, Thorson. Mike Glenn only got sacked once, but like Mike, the quarterbacks were atrocious. They, they were, were awful. They were awful. I mean, they combined for eight for 23 for 58 yards. And I think it was a third quarter touchdown, um, sacked five times. No, none, none of the two could make a successful completion to, to their players, to the receivers, to the backs. And they really just couldn't find anybody to get open. I know we mentioned how Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson did a pretty good job at finding receivers and being able to, to find a guy if he needed to in trouble. None of those two guys could do that. And obviously, Mike Glenn is not really a successful quarterback in the past either. So I don't know how much people expected out of him. But it, it, it was kind of just what you expected. Corey Clement fumbled the ball, fumbled the ball within the five-yard line. Um, Giants could have scored there. Devontae Booker had 12 yards. I mean, it really wasn't anything special from the Giants at all. Plattsgummer, 51 yards, and one of them was the longest run of the game, 48 yards. Um, so that was impressive by him. But other than that, man, I, I didn't really see anything that really stood out to me that much considering all the factors in the game. And it was just a really boring and uninter uninteresting game to watch. So, like, I see yeah. myself fading out a little bit and, and like, looking on my phone and kind of just not paying fully attention. It, it was a boring game. And I know it's preseason. It doesn't matter. Starters aren't going to play, but that was awful. The, the, yeah. the two quarterbacks that the Giants sent out were atrocious to watch. And I feel like there was no, nothing was gained from, from that game from the Giants standpoint, at least yeah. quarterback wise. Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing would be this, you know, with Daniel Jones, and we're going to talk more about this in the season preview, I guess, you know, he, Last year, 
he, he was hurt. He missed a few games. Colt McCoy had to play. He's obviously no longer with the team. You know, and Daniel Jones, this is his third year, an important year. You're, you're a Giants team that is tr- expecting playoffs or bust. You know, if you don't make the playoffs, it's not a success. And the question, you know, this is a team, in my opinion, that needs a quality backup. You need, you need a backup that can get in there and win you games with a guy that has had some injury history and also has played up and down. And if you're a team, you know, Gettleman, in my opinion, his job's on the line this season. So, you know, this is a type of team that needs a quality backup. Glennon did not impress. That being said, you know, none of the number one receivers are out there. And, you know, assuming Dan Jones is playing well, he's not going to play uh, or is, you know, healthy. Glenn is not going to play. I think as, um, as long as he's healthy, he will, he won't see, be seeing the field. So it's not like it yeah. matters, but yeah. I mean, so I, who knows what, how Glennon would do if he was throwing to Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, hard, tough to say um, with the giants offensively, like you said, not a lot to take away. I mean, Thorson definitely is not probably not going to be in this roster and shouldn't be. I mean, he was overthrowing, underthrowing all night long. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not a great game for the giants offensively. I mean, only seven points. They didn't score till the fourth quarter. Um, you know, take that as you will. I think another thing that I mentioned, though, and you mentioned it was uh, Platzgummer or however you say his name, Sandro Platzgummer. Um, really interesting about him. He's from Austria. And, you know, last season he was part with, he was with the New York as part of the NFL's international player pathway program. And, you know, he's obviously playing now. He didn't play last year. And, you know, 45-yard run in the fourth quarter. I mean, this guy's not going to make the roster. He's not going to be a star in the NFL. But, you know, it's a nice little story. A guy from Europe playing the NFL, you know, nice little thing to see. And also another person, you know, you can't, the name Coughlin is uh, synonymous with uh, Giants football. Of course, not Tom Coughlin, but in this case, uh, a Giants linebacker, uh, Coughlin, who, you know, was drafted last year, had a very solid game, uh, you know, who's all over the field making plays. You know, obviously, Blake Martinez is going to be your, your one of your starting linebackers. They're pretty – the Giants had a borderline top 10 defense last year, so he's not going to play a lot, but it was good to see from him making some plays. He looked nice. But, you know – I would say overall, if we're going to kind of wrap up or talk of the game, I mean, the fact that we've talked 20 minutes about the first preseason game, I got to give kudos to us that we got that much content out of it. But, um, you know, look, nothing, I would say nothing super concerning from the Jets or the Giants. Some highlights for the Jets, maybe a couple of lights from backups for the Giants, but I think the real test will be this week for both teams as they go into the second preseason game of the summer. But now, you know, I, I'd like to kind of move into as we're talking Jets and Giants, and, you know, looking ahead, because we said it a few times already that, you know, the preseason is one thing, but what really matters, obviously, is the regular season, how these teams are going to perform, when the pressure is on. And, you know, Mike, I'll be I'll be courteous. I'm going to let you go first. We're going to start with your team. The Giants, you know, we can break down game by game. If you see wins, maybe some of the storylines that you see coming into this season. Uh, so any bold predictions you got for the Giants as we start this year? So, so uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at my notes right now and I have giants will be winning either eight or nine games. I, I, I'm, I having, I'm having trouble picking, picking eight or picking nine. And, and we, we can honestly just go down the entire schedule if you'd like, like, and that's fine by me. Yeah. I, I'm with that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you want to go uh, first? Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Right, so, right. I mean, we're starting off the season. I mean, I'm, I'm a little more firm. I'm going with nine wins and then I'll quickly run down the schedule and then you can let me know. Uh, you know, your thoughts, if you kind of agree or disagree, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, that first game against the Broncos, you know, I see that as a win for the Giants. Uh, I don't think Denver is that talented. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, it's a later window game. I mean, I don't really think that means anything. It's at home for the Giants. Um, you know, Denver, their quarterback situation, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, it doesn't really scare me. Um, you know, so I think that's a win for the Giants. Washington, you know, Daniel Jones, as much as I think this is kind of a make or break year for him, the one thing he always does is beat Washington. He has like, uh, Daniel Jones has like eight career wins over his first two years as a rookie. I mean, as a rookie, excuse me, as a Giants quarterback. And four of them are against Washington. So uh, I'm going to go with the clean sweep for the Giants against Washington this year. I think they're going to win both games. So I'm going to start, I have the Giants starting off 2-0. Uh, you know, I think they could beat Atlanta. So I, I see a 3-0 start for the Giants. Uh, unfortunately, though, I see them then losing to New Orleans, just too good of a team. Then they're in Dallas uh, the following week against the Cowboys at week five. I mean, look, they never win in Jerry World, it seems, so that's a loss for me. Then they're also going to be hosting the Rams October 17th, week six. I don't really see that going anywhere. Uh, That's a loss for me as well. I think they can beat the Panthers in week seven. I think that's, you know, a possibility. Week eight, Chiefs, that's a loss in my opinion. Uh, The Raiders, um, I think that's a win. I don't trust uh, Las Vegas. The last few years as they travel to the East Coast have not played well. So that's a win for me. And then as we look at the rest of the schedule here, the second half, you know, I see them losing to the Bucks. I think they're going to split here with the Eagles, probably win the home game. 
Uh, I see them losing to the Dolphins in Miami, losing to the Chargers in LA. Uh, probably can beat Dallas at home. You know, I'm a little up and down on Dallas. I don't see them beating Philly in Philadelphia. And then the last two games of the season, uh, Chicago and Washington again. I think those are both W's for the Giants. So for me, uh, the season ends with a 9-8 record for the Giants. You know, with the three wild card spots, I don't obviously, and obviously NFC East that is very up and down. You know, I don't really see where if that can be a playoff record for them or if it can't, you know, that's slight progress over the previous season. That's an above 500 record, but you know, I, I just, the Giants team, I think to be fine. I think to be okay. They have a great defense. Yeah. I think they have good pieces on offense, my concern. And, you know, we can go through what you think the record will be. And, you know, if there's any storylines that stick out to you, but you know, I, I just, my biggest concern is with Daniel Jones and, you know, the quarterback is what gets the offense moving. He's really the focal point of honestly, the entire team at times. And if Daniel Jones is not like an elite quarterback or doesn't play like a very solid quarterback, this team is not going to make the playoffs. So right now that I have them at nine wins, I think they're just kind of an average to above average team. Uh, I'd be interested to see what you think. Yeah. So I'm going to go to the weak point game was actually the one I was kind of stumped on. I didn't know. I, I didn't know if Giants were going to take down the Broncos or Broncos are going to, we're going to win that game. Um, I don't know if Drew Locke's going to be able to play the first game or not, or, or, or is it going to be, um, the backup, but I'm going to go the Giants win week one against Denver. Um, they're going to lose week two at Washington. So they're going to be one and one after week two beat Atlanta. Um, they're going to lose to the Saints. So, so two and two after week four um, at Dallas, they're going to lose. They're going to be two and two and three. I'm getting confused with my numbers here. Lose to the Rams two and four beat Carolina. And that that's another game I was skeptical on because I have a feeling Sam Darnold's going to come out kicking and be playing very well over the first half of the season. So, so that was a game I was kind of skeptical on, but I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give them the win there that that'll make them three and four going into week eight. It's a loss to the chiefs. Um, we both agree on that one. And I think everyone knows why um, three and five uh, Vegas. Although I don't really trust Vegas that much as a team. I just think they have more than what the giants have in, in order to win this game. And, and it's in MetLife Stadium, so I think I'm still going to take Vegas. Though uh, that that I'm struggling with a lot of these games now. That I look now that I relook at it. Um, that makes them three and five, I believe, because they had a buy. Um, no, oh, week ten's the buy. Never mind. Week eleven, they're losing to the Bucks, beating the Eagles, and then at Miami at week thirteen. I think they're going to lose. I, I think in Miami, they're not going to have enough of what it takes to, to, to beat this Miami offense. I know they're pretty potent as of late. Well, not as late as of last season with Tua taking over and whatnot. So I think they're going to be able to, to take that game. They're going to lose to Herbert and the chargers. I think Herbert's just a much better quarterback than Daniel Jones is. Um, obviously last season he, he played tremendous and that's what I'm basing that off of. Now this Dallas game, I think they're going to win at home in week 15, lose to the Eagles, and then beat Justin Fields in the Bears at week 17. Um, and then you said this, they always beat Washington. And I think they're going to they're gonna end the season week 18, beating Washington. And I think, that'll, I think that was eight wins for me. I lost track, but I have them in the eight and nine range. But I think it's going to be up and down the entire season from them. There's no obvious wins here for me, but there's no, but there is some obvious losses, but I feel like every game they win is going to be close. Um, last season, I think they had two games that they scored 23 or more points in, um, and, and they scored less than 10 points four times. So this offense is going to have to pick it up. Saquon Barkley is going to have to have a year of, of his short career so far. Obviously he got hurt, torn ACL in week two last year. So Daniel Jones, as he gets all the, all the hate and all the comments reflected towards him from his bad season last year. He had absolutely no one around him, no receivers. He had a good offensive line, held the ball too much, fumbled it. But Saquon Barkley need, needs to come back and, and be that, that number two overall pick and, and just be the, the star of the show. Obviously, quarterback Daniel Jones could do that as well, but Saquon needs to pick it up. He's going to pretty much be the backbone of this team this year, in my opinion. And if Saquon isn't having a good season, I think that that's going to be a reflection on the rest of the team and how, how they play as well going forward and will reflect ultimately what the record says at the end as well. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we're kind of on the same page here with uh, eight or nine wins with the team. You know, I think you, you say Saquon, you know, I say Daniel Jones is the key to all this, you know, 
In terms of other storylines kind of going into the year, I mean, we'll just wrap up with Daniel Jones' storyline real quick. You know, the thing for me is he's never beaten a team that's above 500. You know, the one time in the past few years the Giants got one of those over 500 wins was against Seattle, but Colt McCoy was that quarterback. So Daniel Jones has not shown in his career that he can beat a winning team. So that's obviously a huge concern for me. Another one is the turnovers. I mean, you know, last year, you know, only 11 touchdowns in 14 games with 10 interceptions, you know, fumbled 11 times, you know, obviously his rookie year fumbled 18 times. Obviously not all those were turnovers, but, you know, that's concerning. And also another storyline for me, and I mentioned it when we were going through the schedule, was Dave Gettleman. To me, he's on the hot seat. I, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, he's gone. You know, this is his fourth season now with the Giants. There needs to be results. His drafts have been very up and down. I thought the Kadarius Tony pick Earlier this year was highly questionable, especially with Elijah Moore still available and ended up falling to the Jets. I thought he was a better guy. And so far, look at the way they performed at camp. Again, I said it before, it's still practice, but, you know, Moore apparently has been lighting up at Jets training camp. Kadarius Tony's like losing a shoe and he's not even practicing. He's injured. So, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, you know, so it's just this to me, and, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. You know, to me, one of the biggest mistakes that the Giants made was not firing Gettleman last year before they brought in Joe Judge. Because And this is why. You know, the Giants had, uh, you know, Pat Shermer for a couple of years. They had Ben McAdoo for a couple of years. You know, they, they've been changing coaches every two years or so. And, you know, now you're bringing Joe Judge. You think you have the guy. You know, he's a very tough coach. You look across the town, across town with Robert Sala. He's more of a player's coach, which I like. You know, uh, Judge is more of your old school, get on your guys. You know, how that's going to work in the locker room when you're not winning, I don't really know. They seem to like him. Uh, that being said, you know, you you got your coach. But my concern is this. I think Gettleman, and then I'm like, the playoffs is gone. So now you've got Joe Judge. You think he's the guy, but now you got to bring the new GM. And, you know, to me, what happens is that hamstrings your GM search because now you're telling your general manager, you know, you have to keep this head coach that's already here. You can't bring your own guy. And any qualified candidate who's going to want to build up a franchise is going to say, no, thank you. So then you're going to be get, get stuck with less qualified candidates. And the alternative is, let's say you do fire Joe Judge. Well, guess what? Now you fire another coach again after two years. It's nothing. You know, to me, it was such a huge mistake to get, not get rid of Gettleman a couple of years ago. And right now where you're at is very similar, I, honestly, identical to the John Idzik Jets situation a few years back when, you know, the, the Woody Johnson said, you know, you got to keep, you know, they fired Mike Tannenbaum. They're like, you got to keep Rex on as your head coach. And that, of course, meant that no qualified GM ever wanted to GM the Jets. So they brought in John Idzik, who was way in over his head. Then him and Rex both went, and then they brought in Bulls and McCagden, and then McCagden and Gase, and then Gase and Douglas. It's just been that Idzik situation set the Jets back 10 years. And I'm, I mean, look, I have no love for the Giants. But, you know, my concern is now that if the Giants get put in it's a situation where it's like you got to keep judged and bring in a new GM, you know, that could set the team, a team back who hasn't made the playoffs since 2015. So, you know, your thoughts on, you know, what is Joe Judge's future? I mean, what is Gettleman's future? What is Judge's future if this team doesn't make the playoffs? Let me let, let me move forward real quick. You, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. I actually think the Giants made a fantastic play of, of moving up and getting Kadarius Tony. He's going to play a lot of roles for the Giants, punt return, kick return, everywhere. He, he, he's good at block. He's very fa- one of the fastest guys I've seen play play the game. So, so he's, he's going to play a major role for, for this team. And to go back to your last question, Mike, about Judge and Dave Gettleman, I agree. Dave Gettleman should have been gone before Joe Judge was hired. I feel like it, it's kind of counterintuitive to bring in a new head coach, keep a failing GM in charge, and then let Joe Judge do his thing. He's going to be two seasons in. And I agree. If they don't make the playoffs, Gettleman's gone. He should have been gone last year and he should have been gone the year before. But I don't think if they don't make the playoffs, I don't think Judge is gone. I think they're going to find a general manager who's going to like the like what Joe, Jung, Joe Judge brings to the table because a, a lot of players love what Joe Judge brings to the table. He, he, he's an intensive coach. Um, he's aggressive. I and mean, he really gets to the point. Obviously, we all heard the story about the brawl. And then he's making his coaches run. He's, ma- he's making everybody on his staff, players, he w- run, work out, doing everything with them. He's really building like a, a really nice culture within that team and locker room. And I think the players love him, but I don't think he's on the hot seat. He, he, he didn't really have much to work with last year. They went six and 10 in a really bad division, obviously. Um, but Dave Gettleman is the guy who, who's going to be gone. I mean, there's no exception. There, there, there's no excuse to keep him around if they miss the playoffs again. That'll be, I believe, seven years, six or seven years in a row now that, that they've missed the playoffs. And something's got to be done. I, I mean, I think Joe Judge has so much potential for this team. And, and I think even 
if they do make the playoffs this year, I think they still might get rid of Dave Gettleman, honestly, because that's been a talk for years now and win, uh, not win the division, get into the playoffs. Or even if you don't, I think there's a chance that that Gettleman loses his job and judge is still there. And really they can find a GM who works cohesively with both judge and himself and kind of, kind of work together to make the organization better. But Dave Gettleman is a hundred percent on the hot seat and, and has been for a while now. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, if they make the playoffs, I think Gettleman's coming back just because I think Marl likes Gettleman. You know, I think they have a good relationship. Yeah. So I, I find it hard to believe that if they make the playoffs, he's not coming back. That being said, look, I think hope, most Giant fans hope you're right. I think they hope that, you know, maybe if they don't make the playoffs, Gettleman goes, Judge stays, and you bring in that qualified GM. Just as a Jet fan who's seen it happen from the other side, and I know Rex at the point that he was at wasn't really where Judge is at, the young up-and-coming coach, which is the guy that had been there forever. You know, so it's a little different, but, you know, I hope for the Giant fans' sake that it ends up working out. I mean, the Giants want to make the playoffs this year. Can nine and eight? Can nine wins get them there? Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens with the with a weak NFC East. Maybe it can if Dallas can't really kind of bounce back this year. You know, we'll see what happens. But let's move over to the Jets now. Let's kind of talk about predictions for them. I know this is what you know really gets me going. Is what I'm excited about thinking about the Jets. I mean, a lot of storylines. We've kind of mentioned it earlier in the preseason game. I mean, look, the biggest one. Zach Wilson's development. How is he going to do his rookie year? How is he going to perform? I think another one is obviously the running back situation. I mean, you got Tevin Coleman, who didn't play last Saturday due to personal reasons, but you got him. He's a great fit in Mike LaFer's offense, who you brought in from uh, San Francisco. You got Michael Carter, who you drafted from UNC. Ty Johnson and Michael P. Ron were here last year. That's a tight, you know, kind of battle for the running back spot right now. We'll see what happens there. You know, Chris Herndon, Jets tight end, they drafted out of Miami in 2018. You know, he was drafted to be Darnold's safety blanket. And, you know, pretty good rookie year, hurt all of 2019. Then 2020, you know, really poor year, dropping balls, fumbles just did not look good at all. So it's it's really his last chance. I mean, how is he going to perform in this new offense? You know, apparently he's already behind Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin at camp. So, I mean, that's really not great news for him. You know, the D-line, you know, Sal's defense is, you know, it's all about the defensive pressure, all about that D-line. You got Quinn Williams, you signed Carl Lawson, who I loved. I love that move. You've got Jonathan Franklin Myers, you got Foley Futakasi, Sheldon Rankins, Vinny Curry. I mean, they're going to have a t- tough time thinning out this, this D-line with cuts before the season starts. But can the D-line generate the pressure that's needed? And on the flip side of that, you know, the way that you generate pressure is not only by getting to the quarterback, but making sure you have corners that cover the receivers and give your D-linemen time to get there. And the, the, my biggest concern with the Jets and their defense is their cornerback situation is incredibly young. I mean, that Bryce Hall, who was a second-year pro out of Virginia, he's probably going to be a starter. But then you're looking at, for all these other spots, I mean, it's pretty much all rookies, aside from Bless Austin, who's from Rutgers, third year in the league. I mean, Brandon Eccles, Jason Pinnock, Isaiah Dunn, Michael Carter the second. these guys are all rookies. You're basically relying on an incredibly young uh, secondary that, I think, is a, is a huge red flag. I mean, I think Salah said he trusts them, but who knows? And then, obviously, we talked about it before with the offensive line. Can they protect Wilson? We've talked about Elijah Moore a little bit. Can he be the big stud receiver in this room that's been improved with Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder coming back, Keelan Cole being added, Denzel Mims in his second year? So a lot of storylines for the Jets. You know, I got all those in there. Uh, which of any of those storylines, before we get into the record breakdown, uh, stand out to you, Mike? Really, really how young the team is. I know you mentioned this. They're working with a really, really, really young team right now. And that's going to be a challenge moving forward because there's a lot of guys on other teams who are much bigger and much stronger and much more knowledgeable about, about the game and about breakdowns and stuff like that in general about the game than they are. And I feel like that's going to be a challenge for, for such a young squad, a new head coach coming into the organization as well. Um, I feel like it's just going to take a couple couple weeks, maybe two, three, four weeks to kind of get in that groove and be the team that really they could be. They have a good receiving core. They just picked up Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, um, and, and they Jameson Crowder. They have a good receiving core that Zach Wilson will be able to make throws to and find them deep down the field and in short distance. The question is, is are they like is the offensive line strong enough, like we mentioned, to to cover Zach Wilson? And is really he as good as a quarterback at that we think that, that he's gonna be able to find these guys in tight situations and change changes routes uh mid play in order to find someone else audible at the line of scrimmage it really comes down to zach wilson in my opinion if he's going to be able to to be that backbone of the jets offense like, like he's expected to be and really if robert sala is, is going to be able to manage this team and coach his team like he's supposed to and i think he is a great coach i think it was a great hire by the jets and i think he's going to be and i'm excited to see that but but zach wilson for me is Really, the story here, if he can compete and perform at a, at a high level, I think the team will be able to do that behind him as well. 
Yeah, I mean, to, to your point about Robert Sala real quick, I, I love the hire. He was the top candidate, and not only that, he wanted to come to the Jets, which to me is just so exciting as a Jet fan to hear that the top candidate wants to come to your team. That's just great news for me as a Jet fan. So, so far, he's looked the part. He said all the right things. You know, I've seen him make speeches. He seems to be, you know, the players seem to love him. They're fired up about him. So that's great, especially after a guy in Adam Gase who was just so low energy, you know, not that exciting, you know, uh, that, that that's just a, a great flip of the coin. But, you know, those are the storylines going in. I think now, just like we did for the Giants, let's kind of break down the record here. You know, for me, look, I think this is a little overly optimistic, but hey, as a Jet fan, this is the one time I can be optimistic and actually like think my team will be okay before the season starts. So, you know, we'll see what happens. To me, I have the team with seven wins, uh, seven to 10. Look, that's under 500. They're not going to make the playoffs, but I think that's pretty high. I mean, I've seen other people say four or five, maybe even six. I'm going to be a little optimistic here and say seven. I'm very excited about defense. Like I said, I'm concerned about the corner situation, but I think the defense, especially this D-line, could be a huge asset. I think the linebacker situation with C.J. Mosley coming back, some of these young guys they have, I think it's going to be pretty solid. Um, you know, Marcus May is still in at safety. Um, and then offensively, look, it's all about Wilson. I think the O-line's going to be good. you got good receivers. I think the running back room is fine. You know, I think to me, running game these days is more about the line than the players themselves. So, it's all about Wilson. He's going to be up and down. He's a rookie. It's going to happen. That being said, I see seven wins, and this is where I see them coming. I think they're going to win week one against Carolina. I think that's a W. You know, to me, I mean, see Darnold over the years. He, first of all, he played horribly against Salah's San Francisco defense last year. So same system. I don't know how I was going to match up. Apparently, Darnold's really bad in camp as well. I think also knowing him, he's a guy that tends to get in his own head. And how much more in your own can you get than playing in your own? Your, how much in your own head can you get uh, if you're playing your own team, your old, your old team? So I think that can happen here. Um, so I see them winning week one against Sam, their old guy, uh, back in the day. And I see them beating the Patriots. I see them uh, at the home opener. I think they're probably going to split with the Patriots. I'm not that impressed with them. Uh, I see them beating the Falcons in London. I mean, obviously a tough game there. I think that can happen. And I also see wins against the Colts, especially if Carson Wentz is out for a very long period of time this season. I think they're going to split with the Dolphins, so there's a win right there, especially the home game against the Dolphins. I have them beating the Texans. I think the Jaguars, a little, you know, all the talk was, oh, the Jets messed up the Trevor Lawrence draft. They could have gotten him. They didn't. I think there's going to be a win there against the Jags. And then I'm having to lose them to the Broncos. I have them losing to the Titans. I don't think they're going to beat the Patriots in Gillette. Um, you know, I think they're going to lose to the Bengals, assuming Joe Burrow's healthy. Two losses to the Bills. I don't think they can beat the Eagles at home. Uh, the Saints, no, definitely not. And Dolphins, definitely going to lose down there in Miami. And uh, the Bucks, that's not going to be a win. So I, I have the Jets 7-10, missing out in the playoffs, but with a lot of improvement compared to two wins last year. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think seven wins is a lot. I have them at 4-13 and 13 or 5-12, and 12, like you said, depending on week nine at Indianapolis. If, if Carson Wentz is playing, I have him losing that game. If he's not playing, I have them winning that game. So – Four, four and 13 off the bat, they're, they're beating, they're, they're losing to Carolina. I think Sam Donald's just going to come in and play against his own team. I just feel like that's the nature of the game, and that's going to happen. Um, they're beating New England week two. I, I, I think they're going to win the home opener. Wilson's going to perform and play and play decently well, get enough to get the win from New England. Um, next wing, I have them. Atlanta week five in London, just like you do. I, I think that's going to be a win for them. Atlanta really is on the decline right now after trading Julio. And I'm not sure what Matt Ryan has left in the tank. Um, so, so I think Jets are definitely taking that game, beating Miami in week 11 um, at home as well. I don't think they're going to, they're going to lose week 15 while in Miami. And then I have them beating Jacksonville in week 16. I think they're just going to have the better of the two, better of the two teams, better of the two performances that game. And, and those are the four wins for me. And the fifth win possibly against Indianapolis, depending on, on who's healthy for them. If pretty much if Wentz is playing, I think they're going to take that win. So, so I have them still definitely, definitely well under 500, four or five wins. And I feel like, I feel like that's good. I, I feel like that's a, um, I'm not going to say a high expectation for a team, but look, they're just starting a rebuild. Uh, you got a first year quarterback, a first year head coach, a first year, a lot of people on this team. And, and to get five wins, honestly, this season, I feel like is not that bad and, and something that the team can be hopeful for and be very optimistic for seasons to come with those five wins. And I feel like if anything, they're going to get more than five, not less than five. So, so, so I feel like they're really in a good situation to be successful. They don't have really that difficult, difficult of a schedule. I, I mean, they have the, the one game in London, then they have the bye week after. So it really doesn't matter travel wise. Um, but I have them, I have them at four or five wins, depending, depending on the, 
Colts game, and I feel like that that's something they're going to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I already said it. I'm being a little, a little overly optimistic with the Jets right now. Look, five wins. I mean, like anything's an improvement over two wins last year. So, of course. you know, I think five is maybe a little bit more realistic. You know, right now, before the season's even started, I'm going to go with seven. That's just kind of how I see it. You know, to, to wrap up our Jets talk before we kind of get in our last segment and kind of wrap up this week's edition of NFL Friday, this is the last thing I'd say. I wanted to say it earlier when we we're talking about Wilson. You know, Chris Sims, who obviously works for, um, you know, NBC, you know, does the football broadcast with them, you know, great football mind, does stuff with Mike Florio uh, at Pro Football Focus, all that kind of stuff. You know, he, a few years ago, before the 2018 draft, which was that huge draft of Darnold, Lamar, Josh Allen, Rosen, all those guys, he ranked all the quarterbacks. And his rankings were Lamar, number one. He had uh, Josh Allen, number two. Like, he had the correct – it was like Lamar, one, Allen, two, Baker, three, uh, like Darnold, four, and Rosen, five. And it was – I think Allen and Baker might have been flipped, but the bottom line is – he he had the, the the setup. He knew who he was going to be successful, and obviously his prediction ended up being right. And the reason I bring that up is for this year's ranking of Lawrence Wilson, all these guys, he has Wilson ranked above Lawrence as the top quarterback in the draft. He's one of the few guys to do that. Now, look, I know that's the opinion of one expert, but given the fact that he got the 2018 class so spot on, when a lot of people were saying Lamar would never make it in this league and Josh Allen would be too wild, you know, to me that that was you know it gives me a little bit of hope. So hopefully, Chris. You're right about my guy, Zach. And to me, that Jaguars uh, Jets game towards the end of the season, hopefully that's a chance for Zach to prove that. But as we kind of wrap up our show here, you know, I don't think it would be a true uh, NFL Friday if we didn't discuss some fantasy football. You know, I mentioned off the top, I just had my fantasy football draft with my good friends from high school in my hometown. So, you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we got our draft in. I, I think I listened to some of my own advice I'm about to give out here. Um, but, you know, I'm just curious, Mike, as we wrap up the show, I mean, I think everyone knows the big names of fantasy. Everyone knows Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, you know, they're going to draft Devontae Adams. That stuff isn't really, you know, advice that needs to be given. I'd love to hear from you. And then I got my own as well. You know, who are two guys you think could be fantasy quote unquote busts this year? And who are two guys you see being maybe some fantasy sleepers? So, so for the bus, I'm going to go with someone, obviously, who had a rookie, never played yet, Devontae Smith, coming off an, ACE, uh, an MCL injury. Sorry there's a lot of talk about him and what he can do and how he performed at Alabama. And we all know that, that he won the Heisman. He's a great wide receiver, but coming off of, uh, of this MCL sprain, I believe it is. That's kind of been lingering the entire time. Um, who knows how he's going to be able to form, how much playing time he's actually going to get, how it could affect his, his rapport with Jalen hurts. Cause he's obviously not a full-time starting quarterback yet. Um, so, so I, I'm not sure how much Devontae Smith is going to be able to, to help people out in the fantasy world this year. And, and a second one I have is someone I was on the fence about who I like as a player, Josh Jacobs, uh, the running back for the Las Vegas Raiders. He was ranked last year eighth in fantasy points, but they just added Kenyon Drake, who is, in my opinion, a better back than Josh Jacobs, much smaller, but faster and, and can get the job done. Um, I, I, I believe Kenyon Drake is better in every category. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right here. And he's more of a risk, honestly, out there trying to catch passes, fumbling the ball. So, so I think Josh Jacobs is going to be kind of a bust this year over on the fantasy side of things. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be as down on Josh Jacobs as you. I, I still think he's a pretty solid running back. That being said, for me, my two busts, you already said Devontae Smith. Totally agree for the same reasons as you. Small frame. He's got an MCL injury right now. He's going to be out two to three weeks. That impacts his chemistry with Jalen Hurts. You know, Hurts is also a guy that we don't even know if he's the real deal yet. So that, that's my concern there. And then my other bus, and this might be a little surprising, but hey, look, got to be bold. I'm going to go Russell Wilson. And the reason I say that is because, you know, he put up, I had him last year. He put up some very solid numbers. But that being said, in the second half, he, he really fell off. And he went from being, you know, the, the number three quarterback in fantasy in 2019 to the number six in 2020. So you could already see there's a bit of a decline there. You know, he, he had a poor second half in the 2020 from the fantasy perspective. And, you know, his offensive line is still incredibly shaky. I don't trust them at all. You know, he's been able to come, overcome that, but he's getting older. And you, you had all that offseason drama with, you know, does he want to get traded? Does he want out of Seattle? So, you know, with those two things, with all that keeping in mind, I think it's possible that Wilson could, you know, fall back even further, maybe end up being the number 10 quarterback in fantasy. Uh, it's a little bit of a concern. And then, you know, we're moving over to sleepers, and, you know, I'll give you mine, Mike, and uh, then I'd like to hear yours. For me, my two sleepers are Latavius Murray, and I'm a little biased here, but Elijah Moore from the Jets. Uh, you know, when it comes to Murray, obviously, look, he's the number two back to uh, uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, he's a guy that doesn't put up a lot of numbers when Kamara is playing and available. 
But, you know, with a dicer quarterback situation, you know, it's going to be Taysom Hill or James Winston, two guys that aren't as surefire as Drew Brees. So I think they're going to run the ball a lot more, which means I think this year Murray's going to get a lot more touches. And then also being said, you know, last year Kamara missed a few games. And when he was out, uh, you know, in those two games that he missed, Latavius Murray put up 307 yards, four touchdowns on 62 touches. You know, he's a guy that can step up in the absence of a Alvin Kamara. So, Look, I think with this new quarterback situation, I think, you know, you never know what injuries in fantasy. I think Latavius Murray is worth a late round flyer. And then Elijah Moore, look, I'm a little biased. That being said, the guy has blown up in training camp. He's got a quad injury right now, but he should be good by the regular season starting time. He's looked great in OTAs. He's just got great hands, quick speed, good route runner, everything you want in a receiver. And, you know, many projected him to be a first-round pick. He fell to the Jets in the second. You know, a lot of people are saying so far, at least from the media that have been at training camp, that this looks like one of the steals of the draft, be one of the Jets' best picks. You know, he's been lighting it up. And not even only that, but you've heard from guys like A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., guys who are some of the best receivers in the leagues, in the league, saying, you know, we think Elijah Moore could be Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I think it's, you know, I don't want to buy too much into the hypes of other receivers who aren't necessarily playing with him. But for those reasons, I, I'm buying into Elijah Moore. I myself actually drafted him for my team uh, with a, a later round pick. So, um, you know, for me and my two sleepers, Latavius Murray, Elijah Moore. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to head over to the Saints as well with Traquan Smith, the wide receiver. Michael, Michael Thomas is going to be missing some time. Um, and he's going to fit kind of fit perfectly into the offense of either Taysom or James Winston, who, who's going to be getting the majority of that quarterback role. Last year, 14 games. 448 yards for 34 receptions. I mean, he's going to be someone that could really take that role while Michael Thomas is still gone and kind of pick up that offense that, that they're going to need without Drew Brees. Obviously, Drew Brees retiring now, so so they're going to need Traquan to step up, and I think he will. I think he's going to get a lot of PPR points going forward and hopefully all season because he's someone that I'm interested in drafting as well, but my draft isn't isn't until a little later than yours because of injury reasons. But And my second one, not really too much of a sleeper here, but Jonathan Taylor. Um, a lot of suspicion after Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz go down at, at training camp. They both get hurt, but now that that information is coming out, they should be ready for the start of the season. I think Taylor Stock is going right back up to where it was, and he's going to be someone that is going to be your running back one and going to get you tons of points, tons of tons of yardage, tons of receptions, everything you could get. Jonathan Taylor is going to give it to you, and he's going to be someone who's high up on my list to draft. Not much of a sleeper. Um, but like I said, it, with all the skepticism about if Wentz and Nelson are going to play, I'm going to go with him. And even Robbie Anderson, for me, I, I'm excited to see how he works with Sam Darnold in that offense and how those two can kind of come together and get some things going along. So I'm going to say Anderson is another sleeper for me. Yeah, I, I think those are great picks, Mike. I, I love your sleepers. I love your bus. I think that's spot on. Hopefully, you know, our listeners take your advice. Maybe they'll take mine too. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I think that's going to do it for us on this edition of NFL Friday. Hope you enjoyed all the Jets and Giants talk. Hope you enjoyed the fantasy football talk. Mike, it's been a pleasure as always speaking with you. Glad to be on the air with you finally uh, to do a show. I think we had a good time. I know I did. So that's going to do it for us today on NFL Friday. We thank you all for joining us, for listening. Uh, you can listen to the show every week on iTunes, WFUBsports.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. For Mike Messina, I'm Michael Legan. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports.